Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read beginning at verse 14 and we'll read a couple of verses beyond that. Galatians 6 and 14 and the scripture says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. We'll end our reading there. We trust the Lord will bless his word to us for Jesus' sake. Before we go further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we pray that you'll bless the word. We pray that thou will allow it to be that which is for us indeed, food for our souls. We pray that it'll be that which points us to the Savior. We pray that it'll be that which calls us away from ourselves. And Lord, may we find ourselves both understanding more, but Lord, may we find ourselves also loving more the one of whom the scripture speaks. Bless us and lead us and help us this night. For we put it all before thee, asking it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I want us to think about the words of this scripture that we're seeking to memorize and understand for ourselves what it means again for our God to set before us that which is to be our glory. I want us to take the words as they are presented here in this text and just consider them as we walk through these words. And may the Lord allow us to know his helping. I want you to understand me or see with me first that our text starts with the words, but God forbid... But God forbid, that phrase, those words can imply a couple of things or mean a couple of things. You could take those words to be an exclamatory oath. God forbid it. Much in the same framework or in the same tone as words are said in scripture elsewhere, I think of 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 44, where Saul, being wrathful over the terrible sin that Jonathan committed of putting his spear into the honey and bringing uh, honey to his mouth and his eyes being lightened, and Saul makes the statement, and God do so to me and more. Well... You have an exclamatory statement there, something that would be taken as um, an oath of sorts. In other words, perhaps what is being said by words like that is, let this thing of which I'm talking be judged and let it be punished. God forbid, let it be judged that a man would glory in something that he ought not. But I think that there's a sense in which these words here can also be a prayer. God forbid. In other words, let not the following 
ever be a reality. Or we may put it this way, oh God, intervene that for your people, for those who are joined to Jesus Christ, for those who are the ones who will everlastingly be in the presence enjoying the face of the Lamb of God, let it not be that they find themselves glorying in something other than the cross. Well, you can take it both ways. In fact, you could probably say both are applicable and both are true. We are to be those who glory in the cross of Christ. And I want to be very, very simple this evening. I want you to think with me just on a couple of things that are suggested then from this text. And the very first thing I want to answer or to think with you is the reason. The reason. Why is it that the people of God need to have their glory all in the cross of Christ? Well, I think there's a few things that we could say. A few reasons, actually, that we could list. I think perhaps one of the ones that comes to the mind the quickest, why should I glory in the cross of Christ? Well, the answer is because you and I are so prone to and will glory in something other than the cross, if left to ourselves. We are those because of who and what we are. We will very quickly glory in something else. We read this morning from Philippians chapter 2 as our scripture reading of a word that describes those that glory in something other than the cross. In verse 3 of Philippians 2, <clears> this. <throat> The apostle says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. To glory in something other than the cross is vain glory. Simply put, if you take those words and separate them, it is empty glory that men find themselves embracing and finding within themselves, or you could say it's worthless glory. There is no power for anything good to be found in glorying in anything other than the cross. If your heart is set, if your mind is set, if all of your pride is set on something other than the cross, you will find that it will lead to emptiness for you you will find that it will be worthless in the end. But we are a people because of our self-love that struggle so with vain glory. That's a reason why we must glory in the cross, why the Lord must intervene for us, help us, that the Spirit of God would minister to us because that's the way we are. We might also say this as a reason. There is no glory in anything else. You can take the things that the world said. This is glorious. This is wonderful. This is prestigious. This brings much esteem to you. If it can be said about you. 
I think what you find in that case is not just vain glory, but what we might call false glory. There is no glory in the things that this world affords. It's nothing but that which puffs up. All will lead to emptiness. In fact, Paul is speaking about these kinds of people, people who glory in themselves, empty people, things, people who don't have really anything to glory in, in the verse that precedes our text. You look at verse 13, he says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. They're glorying in something that has nothing to do with God's work. They're glorying in that which congratulates themselves about how well they are observing their religious duties, their supposed keeping of God's law. There is such a thing as false glory. But also I would present this to you as a reason. Why we must glory in the cross because all that man could glory in other than the cross <clears throat> will soon perish. All that man would glory in other than the cross will soon perish. You can read those words in Psalm 103. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. The wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof knows it no more. All that we have in this whole world, all that has to do with everything other than the permanent, eternal, complete work of Christ is but for a moment and will perish. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31 speaks of the fashion of this world that passes away. The reason why we have no other place to glory in is because everything that we have to glory in is either empty, false, or fades away. There is nothing to glory in. There is nothing to glory in except the cross, except in our Savior, except in the perfection of the work of Christ. That's a reason. Well, there's something also that is disclosed here in our text. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have also not only the reason, but the reality. The reality that we have disclosed to us is that the cross crucifies the world. The cross and the one who was successful in the atoning work on the cross causes the world then to be crucified to those that are his. Now to glory, if we were just to give a bit of a very simplistic definition to that word, might be something that we would say glory is the same as rejoicing in or to value as the most important thing. I value as the most important thing In the work of the Lord Jesus, there is the power of God that will cause something to happen in the heart. There, it must be. 
through the work of Christ applied to us by the Spirit of God, when we are made alive, when we are placed in union with the Lord Jesus, there is something that naturally but also necessarily takes place in changing my heart. The Lord allows me to see differently. I'm now a new creature. I have a new understanding. My mind is quickened. The Spirit of God now witnesses to me. All things are new. And because of this, the world then is crucified to me. Let me be a little bit more specific. What does it mean, the world is crucified to me? Well, I think first this, that in that process of the Lord crucifying the world to us, the world is exposed as a fraud. We are able to see by the help of the Holy Spirit that all that the world would say, this is wonderful. This is something that you can glory in. This is something that you should exercise all your ambitions to achieve or to have. We come to find out, guess what? The things that are in this world are completely a fraud. There is no value in what the world says. This is a wonderful thing. You should aspire to be it or have it. All that is in the world will be seen as it is when we see Jesus, when the Spirit of God makes us to be those whose minds are renewed, we'll see that the world is, in fact, destructive. We will witness that the world is polluted. We will testify that the world is dissatisfying. We will completely affirm that what this world says, what it holds forth, what it would have me to embrace, it's all a lie. When you are made alive and when we are those who are put under the blood of Christ, the world becomes exposed to us as being a fraud. But also the reality of the situation is that within our hearts then comes a hunger for righteousness that will be acute. There will be a hunger for righteousness. You know the words of Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they that hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The hunger after righteousness, is that something that just, well, you've turned yourself over, you've reformed yourself, you've turned a new leaf, there's something different in your mind. There's a way of thinking that's different now and you have a hungering for doing the things and having the things of God that you didn't perhaps realize were important before? Or is it rather that now because of the union with Jesus Christ there is implanted within you a hunger that you never had before? Well, I would suggest that that's the reality of the situation. The world becomes crucified to me because now that which is implanted in my heart that I hunger for is not the world. Further, I would suggest this too, that the reality of the situation is that when we are in union with Christ, the knowledge of Christ in us, the hope of glory, is that which we would say there's nothing that compares there is nothing that compares to the Lord Jesus. He now, to me, is the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He is altogether lovely. There is none like him. And as I consider his worth, as my mind is set on him, I find that 
the things of this world. Well, the hymn writer says they grow strangely. It's not strange at all. It's a natural thing, spiritually speaking. When our minds and hearts are taken up with who Jesus Christ is, the world will become dim. But it's a very, very commonly uh, common thing to be understood. And it says, I become crucified to the world. The world is crucified to me. Also, another result is that I am crucified to the world. The world, now that I am in Christ Jesus, now that I behold his cross, the world doesn't want me as I am anymore. The world has no place for me amongst them. The world does not want me. We might put it this way, that the tinsel, the tricks, and the trades of the world fall into frustration for the world. They no longer work. They no longer are that which has a power over me. There's no call to me anymore. My ears are not tuned to the things that are of the world. My ears are tuned now to the voice of my shepherd. Or as Romans tells us in Romans 6, that we are dead to sin. Now all these things that the world would use to bring us along with itself, I'm crucified to that. Romans 6 and 2, another scripture that begins with the words, God forbid. God forbid, and then it ends with, shall we, that we should live any longer in our sin. It's, it's going to be a result of our glorying in the cross. The world dies to me, but I die to the world. Well, I think that there's also in these words suggested to us, well, in the third place, I am calling the request. The request. I think there's some things in these words that serve as an unspoken prayer to God. I think these words would in many ways be a request to God. First, Lord, make the cross more and more my valued place. God forbid that I should glory. Lord, make the cross to be more and more my valued prize. Or as the hymn writer writes in that well-known hymn, Abide with me, hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Lord, let me see more of what the cross has done for me. Let me see more of the heart of the one who went to Calvary for me. Let me see more of what Calvary has done to destroy all the enemies of my soul. Lord, let me learn more and more. Make the cross to be more and more precious to me. I'll just simply say to you, we can never be in the place where we see too much of the cross. It's not possible. Let the power of the Spirit cause me to look unto Jesus. Oh God, let me see more and more my valued prize, the cross. But also I would say that this could be part of the prayer. Lord, deal with all that needs to be crucified in me. I need to have other things, perhaps, than I know to be crucified. 
the Savior says that he makes us free indeed. This is a prayer. Lord, may I be free. I plead. Oh, may we find ourselves knowing the Lord answering our desire to be more and more crucified to the world. Let me just simply say this to you too. It says that we are crucified. The world is crucified to me. You know, it's as if the, the world is put on a cross, as it were. But let me mention to you this. The world does not die easy. It lingers on its cross. It does not go gently. It does not go quietly. The world dies with nothing other than the screams and calls for us to be reconciled to itself. Lord, deal with all that needs to be crucified in me. There's another aspect of this request, and I will put it this way. Lord, may the cross of Christ so work in my heart that I am made willing to bear my cross for Christ. Oh, make the cross to be that which is to me, cherished above all things, that I might too be able to bear the cross that I am called to bear. There's a request in these words. And so I also want to point then in my last thought to the result. The result. What's the result of glorying in the cross? Well, there might be some that would suggest to us that if we glory in the cross, you are securing for yourself a future of hardship. You are purchasing for yourself by that glorying a future filled with deprivation. You're going to be in a future of ridicule. Well, there may be some part of that that the Lord calls us on to do because it's given unto us not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake but I will say this that the conclusion that Paul is making here to the Galatians is rather no when you find yourself in the condition of glorying in the cross then verse 16 becomes your expectation and as many as walk according to this rule peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Well, who's the Israel of God? That's the people of God. The real result of glorying in the cross is peace. And all the effects of mercy. Everything that mercy brings. Everything that mercy purchases, as it were. So what do we say? What do we say about this whole thing? What, what's our conclusion on this? I'm just going to simply conclude by what Paul says in Philippians 2. We read that this morning. Let this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop there for a second because I want you to understand that everything that we have been talking about here, glorying in the cross, was true of Christ. There was not a despising of the shame, but there was an embracing of the cross. There was indeed an obedience to death, but I say the heart of Christ was given to the cross, as it were. That the glory of Christ is what he was able to do for his people. I'm not talking about the glory given to him, but what he would consider in his own heart a glory for his own soul was that he was able to completely redeem and buy back and successfully save those that are his. He esteemed the cross, not something to be put away or to be looked at as something that was to be dreaded, but to be embraced because there are results that come from the cross alone that bring to the people of God wondrous blessing everlasting blessings let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus glory in the cross of Christ understand what it does understand what it is saying to you to request of God Understand that for you the cross is everything and all that you will everlastingly rejoice about is tied to the cross. You are going to stand, if you're in Christ, you're going to stand before the Lord and view his face forevermore. Lord, hasten the day. But understand, it is what happens at the cross for us at the people, as the people of God that allows us not only to be there, but it will be for us the very subject. It will be the motive. It will be the sound, if you will, of the glory itself. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Well, may the Lord be pleased to help us. May the Lord be pleased to allow his spirit to continue to preach to us about the cross. Not the object but the work that we might be those who are able to rejoice and peace be on us and the mercy of our God. Well, amen. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will bless this word. I pray that you will use it. I pray that thou wilt let it be that which guides our hearts and our minds even through the days that lie ahead. Lord, help us to glory in the cross of Christ. May we not have a desire, a silly, foolish desire to glory in anything else, particularly about ourselves. 
Lord, now bless us. Dismiss us with thy blessing. Keep us close to thyself as we go through the days of this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.